crazy to me how I don't hear the playback in ocean audio, but it sounds fine like it's recording. Anyway, let's do it. Bum, bum, bum. Welcome back to our hella confusing 20s, the podcast where I, Jeremy, aka Not Funny Funny Guy, talk about the crazy, terrifying uncertainty of your 20s and how to get through it as a better, stronger, more laughter-filled person every single day. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh my god, dude, one time when I was working in Sydney, I worked with this dude named Pavel, and he did this creepy like, hey, 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 hey like, a, like a double huh, hey thing, when he was trying to flirt with girls that were passing by. Ew. Oh, this guy was gross, tall and lanky, and we were trying to sell HelloFresh memberships from a cart in the mall. Like, come on, bro. Ah, time and place. Actually, I take that back. There's never a time and place to look at a girl and just go, hey, hey, never a time and place for that. Anyway, uh, this episode, I talk about quarantine and Costco, how dirty American assholes are. I guess probably Australian, too. I don't know what the British people are, are like, but I bet they probably have dirty, dirty bum bums as well. I talk about automation, Kanye West, as I do. And ultimately, you know, what I think it means to live a life without regret. Oh, and something I didn't get a chance to talk about in this episode, but I want to say now since I have like this like intro I'm doing. What's up with everybody making face masks fashion? Hey, uh, everybody, don't make a healthcare necessity fashion. Why don't we try? Oh, my God. Wait, how much? How good must Chinese people feel right now? Like the ones who've been wearing face masks since... I don't know, 2002. Let's just say 2002. They've been, <laughs> you know, those ones, the purists, the originators. They're chilling in the wet markets right now. They're like, how we told you so. <laughs> we told you wear a face mask. It's much more safer. <laughs> they sure did. They absolutely did. But you know what? On second thought, let's make face masks fashion. Why not? I don't know why I'm so, I was so against it. In the beginning, I changed my mind that quickly. Let's make them all fashion because... You know, we got to take this healthcare necessity and turn it into fun and self-expression. Why not bring some joy to our lives? Hell yeah, baby. Anyway, hope you enjoy the podcast. And that's something I say, and it makes your day a little bit lighter. I don't like the shot. I don't like the way it's all glare and stuff. But who cares? You know what I mean? I need video. Because if I'm not going to get video, why am I even podcasting? For audio? Bro, do you even watch Gary Vee? A single arbitrage? No, not happening, bro. Not <laughs> our hella confusing 20s episode. I don't know if this is 12. I don't know if this is 13. I forgot. It's been a while since I've podcast. It's been like over a month, you know, because, oh, my gosh, the last podcast I was talking about. If you see me at all in the next six months, I only want to hear Bieber. And don't get me wrong. I'm still listening to Bieber, but so much I listen to be listen to Party, Division, Janae Aiko, um, bro, hell, Childish Gambino, Childish Gambino dropped, bro. There's so there's so much that's happened, and my quarantine hair is in full effect, baby. I was growing it out. It looks horrendous. It looks terrible, but I can't cut it because I can't go to the barber, and I don't want to just buzz it. That's what my dad always does. My dad always just like. We have the clippers downstairs, and he'll just, like, buzz it and shave it. But me, uh-uh, uh-uh. I ain't about the buzz, baby. I ain't about, at least this at this stage of my life. 
at some point in the future, I might get it buzzed. I've been thinking about it. I've been talking with Monica about like, maybe I'll dye it purple. Maybe I'll dye it pink and get like a cool, you know, like a really, I don't even know how to describe it. I was going to say like an alternative look, but it's not alternative, you know, because like Jaden Smith is doing it and Kanye does it and like cool people do it. So, you know, it's just dope. <laughs> Got my pineapple bandana on, hold my hair up. Got a little floral shirt on, bro. Dude, I'm so festive. I'm living it up in quarantine. I'm really not. There's been really, really dark times. Uh, there's been really, really hopeless feeling times. I think it's taking a toll on all of us in different ways. Really ugly, awful things have come out of me. Related to fear, related to, I don't know. But you know what though? I feel, I feel like if you say you're bored, like, oh, I'm so bored. I don't know. On one hand, okay, you're entitled to feel bored in quarantine. I, you know, that's fine. Like you're bored, you want something to do. But at the same time, there's people dying and people in just such, such awful straits. You know, people who are just wandering. I, I, I was reading about just so many, like for India, for example, tons of migrant workers, a lot of them who live so far from home, their work is shut down and so is public transport. So they're having to trek miles and miles and miles, in many cases, like hundreds of miles to get back to home. And they're just living on whatever charity food they can get on the way. And then once they get home, they have nothing. And so it's just, okay, fine, you're bored. But at the same time, I feel like it's important for us to try to cultivate gratitude, you know. But I also will say, I've seen the idea so many times in like the past year, I guess but sporadically throughout life, right? That, oh, look at how much worse people have it. Then that should make you grateful for what you have. But to me, I think that's also kind of eh, fucked up. Because what? People have to have it worse than me for me to be able to be grateful for what I have? I think ideally, every single person on earth should have what they need, should have the necessities, should have you know, rights to a decent quality of life and health. And we should still be grateful. And we should still all be grateful. Because, like, look, we're all okay. Um, Yeah, and I will admit, I do see the use and I have experienced the benefit of being like, oh, okay, wow, there's people that have it worse. I should feel better. And because it counteracts the tendency of people like us who are in wealthier countries, who do have more relative privilege to the rest of the world where we can be like or like where our mind like it naturally goes to everything we don't have and we you know human nature is to focus on the negative and and the lack and comparing ourselves to people with so much more achievement wise status wise uh financially you know oh my god you have five yachts i only have one yacht boo hoo you know what i mean uh <laughs> Uh, you know, what I realize is the best part about podcasting is that in real life, nobody gives a shit about the things that I give a shit about. <laughs> the stuff that I love to talk about and explore and discuss and try to understand from different angles and dive deeper into. And sometimes I'll try to talk to the people in real life and I see them there. They, you know, if they love me, they'll try to be engaged for like a little bit. And I see them go, uh-huh. Uh -huh. 
I'll see him check out, man. Hey, are we, are we at the grocery store leaving? Are we leaving the grocery store right now? Because I see him check out. And, uh, or maybe like they're waiting their turn to say something. And I don't blame them, bro. Because I'm the same way. When, when someone's talking to me and they're like super passionate, but I don't even care <laughs> what they're talking about, it's hard. It's hard to focus and act like you care. And if they mean something to me, if they're important to me, you know, I'll, uh, they're a loved one, I'm going to listen. I'm going to do my best to be there and be like, mm-hmm, and engage. But if not, I'm immediately out, you know? <laughs> um, and so, like, I'll be, like, talking to my dad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, so leftists at their core, you know, want to make sure not too many people that get left behind at the bottom of the social structure are, and <laughs> I see him. <laughs> but in this podcast, nobody can interrupt me. Nobody can make me insecure with their snoozing, causing me to stop in the middle of my train of thought. So I just keep on going with that train of thought, chugga 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 lug. And you know, it doesn't mean that you necessarily listening give a fuck about anything I'm saying, but at least if you don't care and you are checking out, I don't see it so it doesn't hurt my soul. <laughs> And so I just get to express my passions, my full uninterrupted ideas. And it's great. And you know what? I, that's why I recommend podcasting to everybody who wants to get their ideas out that they feel passionate about that nobody cares about in their real life. Because you can say it and maybe, you know, you'll find one or two people. Maybe you'll find a person in Bangladesh who's like, yo, I like his ideas. I would listen to this every week. Oh, he's not consistent with it. I will wait for the next episode in one to three months. Thank you imaginary Bangladeshi listener. Uh, <laughs> the quarantine is crazy though, huh? The quarantine. Well, I mean, it started out so crazy and it's still crazy, but I feel like we're more acclimated to it and we're a little more used to all the stuff that's going on. Like I've been to Costco a bunch of times and Costco, for those of you who don't shop at Costco, first of all, you're missing out on a great joy in your life and a great value. You should shop at Costco. I'm burping. I'm so, I'm all burping. You should shop at Costco because Costco always keeps the cost low. <laughs> That's from that rapper guy, the freaking rapper guy, the parody rapper videos that were viral. I forgot his name, whatever. But it's crazy because Costco, what they'll do is you got to wait in line to get in because they don't want too many people in there at once. And they make this whole like obstacle course of carts. It's like, and you got to kind of weave through as you're going through. And oh man, it's just so funny to me. Imagine that's your job in the morning. They're like, all right, Jose, uh, can you get the cart barrier going? He's like, oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> and he's just like, boop, boop. Just putting one cart after the other. Ugh. It'd be so annoying, you know? It'd be so annoying. And you know, with all that's, that's happening to us, I don't want to make a crazy, bold claim that can be incendiary and say, you know what? This is why I think coronavirus is happening, you know? Because if you think there's no reason for this to be happening, I think that's amazing. You're like, there's no good reason, whatever, it's evil if there's a reason that these, you know, people are dying and people are suffering. But I just think that for me personally, or I think, okay, for those who are able to, right, if you're in a position where you're able to, like I myself am, where you can, you, you do have relative safety and security where you can sit there and try to find the silver lining, try to find a positive way to take some good out of everything that's happening, you know, for me, 
it's really made me reflect on how fruitless worldly pursuits are, you know? And I mean, not that I think they don't matter at all, because I think it's important, you know, you need to strive for financial security, of course, to have the resources to feed yourself, clothe yourself, give shelter to yourself, also your family and your loved ones. But I think this for me has helped me to to realize all the more experientially that the true value in life is in the intangible things, is in the untouchable world beyond, you know, empiricism and logic and facts. And that's something that I think I had gotten increasingly lost from since, you know, over the past few years, um, having been raised religious and having kind of fallen away from that over time. You know, I do think, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, you know, about just being, being a good person. Like, I mean, I'm really thankful for my health right now, you know, and I'm thankful to be able to spend more time with family. And don't get me wrong, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's tensions, there's arguments, there's frustration, there's all kinds of these things going on, as there always are with family. But, you know, we are learning to thrive and empathize in a very difficult situation. Because if you don't try to adapt, uh, sorry, adapt, the tension will just make you crazy, you know. And so I personally have certainly be been becoming more patient, more empathetic. Uh, at least I feel like I am, you know. I'm just, I'm trying to take that as far as possible. And there's still, there's still awful things that happen. And I'm like, oh man, I hate that I was in that state earlier today. Or that I was in that mood or that I was feeling this kind of way. And, you know, I get you can so drag down. I get so dragged down sometimes. And I just don't and I feel useless and I feel like I'm not where I should be. And all these different kinds of thoughts that start to come into my mind. And I'll say, you know what? Wipe that away because there's always more you can do. Like there's always I've been trying to just focus on myself and what is within my power, what is within my control. Like I can learn things, I can create things. If I'm feeling bad because I don't have a certain scale, I can go develop that skill. If I feel bad because I'm not giving time to my family, to my loved ones, I can choose to give more time that evening or the next day. And so I, I feel like that's the kind of place I'm in right now is just how can I make this evening and tomorrow better than yesterday evening and yesterday. You know what I'll say is like, I feel like it's great to work hard. It's great to want worldly things and achievements and accomplishment and safety and security because we are here for a long ass time. And it's important to, I think, make the most of those years as much as you possibly can for yourself and your family. But I guess the way I'm feeling is at the core of that, while those pursuits are our responsibility to pursue them, you need life. And life is the fuel, life is time, life is willpowers, energy is potential. And that's a blessing that we get every day that we have no control of. And I'm not somebody like when somebody's like, ah, everything's gonna kill you. So they just like that use that as an excuse to be unhealthy. They don't exercise, they smoke, they drink all the time, they just live a life of hedonistic excess saying, oh, we're all gonna die anyway. I personally don't like that mindset, at least for my own life, just because I think that, yes, yeah, it's true. An accident can happen tonight or tomorrow and we're gone. When it's your time, it's your time. 
but everything possible, possibly in my control, I will focus on. You know what I mean? Like, because I've, I've seen over the past, you know, year, two years, if I'm consistently exercising, I feel way better. If I'm not eating like a garbage disposal all the time, I feel way better. Sometimes it feels great to just stuff my face with Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A. But if I do that every day, I feel terrible. And so, you know, with the order, there's chaos, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, I think we should do the most that we can to make the most of today, the most of our tomorrows. But I think it's also important to have the thought in mind simultaneously to surrender to the thought that life is not guaranteed tomorrow no matter what. And I think when you have those two things playing together, that's going to help you live the most fulfilled existence because you are making every single day, every moment of tantamount importance. What if this was the last time I get to do this? Because it might be and it is of tantamount importance working to make the issues of tomorrow better and better and better into eternity, right? I was reading in, I, I don't know if that's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which I recently just finished, which is great. I finally read it. I'd recommend it to anybody. But, you know, we always are going to have problems. And the goal is to just have better problems tomorrow. You're always going to have money problems. But somebody without enough to eat, their problem is how do I get enough money to eat? Warren Buffett is how, what do I invest in to make the most money for the future for my posterity? So... Anyway, Costco, you know, no, <laughs> you know what, what the first, was it the first or the second time I went to Costco during quarantine, there was a dude who was like in line right in front of me. And then this guy just kind of looks around at the line and just goes, Oh no, are they going to have enough toilet paper for everybody? And I thought he was joking. I didn't think he was actually just there for toilet paper. I was like, oh, ha, 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 yeah, it's like such a cliche right now. Everybody wants toilet paper. So I go, oh, ha, ha, if you don't have toilet paper by now, you're doing it wrong. And uh, five minutes later, we had progressed a little bit in line. And one of the Costco workers is like, hey, you guys, we have no toilet paper or bath. <laughs> We're all out of toilet paper and paper towels. And then people just kind of look around and stuff. And the guy in front of me, who I said that to, just left the line and went home. <laughs> he was actually there just for toilet paper. And I was like, oh, I feel like an asshole. That guy's going to have a dirty, dirty bum bum. Because he was white and y'all don't use tabos like Filipinos do. Or just Southeast Asians who just clean their butts in general. But even Europeans have bidet. A lot of people clean their butts better than American whites. And that's why American whites tend to have dirty buttholes. You know, you know who else dropped music recently? And of course, it's all over the radios and stuff, but The Weeknd. And The Weeknd's music is going off, and I keep on seeing pictures of The Weeknd. You know, you know what people don't talk about enough? How corny is The Weeknd? Like, he's such a lame dude. <laughs> like, he's very talented musically. I think a lot of the music is dope. I've enjoyed After Hours more than I've enjoyed any full CD of his probably since the trilogy. Probably Beauty Behind the Madness would be closest to that but i think i do like after hours overall more than beauty behind the madness I mean, he just looks like such a loser and all the photos like the style he has going on i'm trying to look like i don't even know 80s and like the red suits and the glasses and the hair and the mustache he looks like a creep 
He looks like such a creep. He just looks like somebody who'd be lurking on females to me. And I'm like, hey, what's up, girl? Like, he'd be at the club, and he would be just be, like, staring at young girls and just thinking, like, yo, I have so much money. She's going to want me because I have all this money. And probably a lot of the girls are like, oh, my God, he has money. Yeah, fuck yeah. But also a lot of girls would be like, ooh, why is that creepy guy with that weird mustache staring at me? Ew. Ew. Also in Fremont now, we like, we have to wear the face masks. And how uncomfortable are those masks, huh? In general, they're uncomfortable. I tried an N95 and that one was super uncomfortable. It was so tight. But even the little blue one, man. It's like every time I breathe, it fogs up my glasses and then I'm like moving around and I'm doing stuff and it starts sliding down. Then I have to like touch it and bring it back up. But I didn't want to touch it because then it's like defeating the whole purpose. And it's like, dude, what the, how am I supposed to win, man? How am I supposed to win with this? So I gave up on trying to win. I wear the masks so I don't get a ticket. I don't get a fine, but I don't wear them properly. I literally, I'll tilt it until my nose is like halfway exposed so I don't fog up my glasses and I'm comfortable. And I just walk around like that. And I, you know, maybe some people hear me say that. And like, dude, what? that's so incense. What, bro? You're still getting your air out there. If you are carrying the coronavirus, you could be spreading it to somebody. No. <laughs> I'm careful, man. I'm not freaking flying spittle all over the place. I'm very, I keep my mouth closed. I breathe as gently as possible. When I'm out and about, I keep my distance. I'm in. I'm out. I want to be back home because I want to be making these podcasts. I want to be making YouTube videos. I want to be playing video games, bro. I want to be watching Skillshare and learning. You know, how dope is Skillshare? Some classes, though, are like, wow, this is so cool. I can learn this. And then other classes are like, why is this person on Skillshare? <laughs> like I was watching like a singing course and the woman it was just in her messy living room. The video was vertical. You could see like her whole body. And she was like, oh, and this is how you do the breath and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, this is so janky. This looks like this video right here. If you look at this, vi if you saw this quality video on Skillshare that you paid $100 for a year or whatever the hell, I didn't pay. I'm just in too much trial and I'm going to cancel. But anyway, I would be pissed. I'd be like, what the hell, bro? I paid all this money and this is the quality I'm getting, bro. At least give me a cool backdrop. Let me see some mountains. Let me see some bison like roaming the plains while you tell me how to breathe from my diaphragm. But uh, it's been good. It's been good. You know, just alert, just learning some things. You know, if you can, I mean, if you are able, if you are emotionally okay enough to be learning things, then do it. You know, we have all this time to like chill out. You know what I'm thinking right now is like what I was saying about people being bored earlier in the podcast. Maybe I maybe I'm being a little too harsh. Because I understand how much it can throw you off to just be out of your routine, you know, and to not be able to go hang out with your friends and not be able to do all these things because that, that that's so much chaos for our brains to handle, you know, because obviously none of us really have control in life. Anything can happen at any time, but we establish routines because our mind needs to believe that we do have some control. And when you lose that, you just feel so tossed about by all these various forces. And it can be so terrifying. You know, the existential dread of existence can creep in more easily when we are thrust out of that. And so I, I empathize, you know, if you are feeling those things and, and going through all those things. 
I mean, I feel like really all you can do is take it a day at a time. You know, there's a Bible verse I've been thinking about because I, I read about it. Uh, it was referenced in Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life, which I've been reading. And just the verse sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I was like, man, that is such a good thing to remember. It's so easy for our minds to fly out. You know, that's that's our curse as humans. We can plan for the future. We can also fear for the future. You know, we need to be able to plan to make sure we can eat into the coming months. But also we're afraid, oh, my God, what if we can't eat into the coming months? But the best thing we can do is constantly remind ourselves to focus on making today the best it can be, trying to be present. I was thinking about that when I was working out today about how just how sometimes people talk about, oh, let's get back to that childlike state because children are so present. They feel emotions so intensely, anger, sadness, fear, terror. And in a few seconds, they're having fun again. You know, they're chilling because their minds are able to be so much more present because they don't yet have the faculty to worry about having to provide for themselves, to worry about having to take care of the future. And so as we mature, as our brains develop, we become better at doing those things because we have to, to survive. But then conversely, that makes us less able to be present and to let things roll off of us, you know? Because imagine if you were like a kid, like when you were a kid, you know, like all of the awful experiences that you've had to date, right? Let's just say the past year, even past a year, past three years, you're probably like, oh man, I have been through some shit. Imagine if you were a kid and you were kind of afraid that all that stuff was going to happen. You would be paralyzed, you know? You would be absolutely paralyzed, but you weren't because you didn't think about it. You're just having a good old time. And I feel like that's the state we're always constantly trying to get back to now in our old age. <laughs> I'm 26, bro. I'm 26 years old and it's too old. No, I'm just kidding, man. I'm happy. You know what else was so, it was so funny to me because I was talking about the weekend earlier, but my, probably my favorite artist, musician at the time. My favorite artist in general would probably either be Kanye or Gambino. But my favorite musical artist, like just pure music, is Party Next Door. And I love Party Mobile. I love so many songs on there. Dude, Savage Anthem? How savage is Savage Anthem? But it's so good. Ooh. Um... And I saw, I felt kind of bad for him because I saw that his album came out and he had all these billboards in like Times Square in Toronto and these big places. And there's nobody to walk around. <laughs> there's nobody to walk around to see the billboards. So it's like, dang, you know, OVO or whoever just paid so much money for that. And it's just up there just on display like party mobile and nobody's seeing it except for the people who, the few people that drive by and the few people who see on Instagram, you know, but of course I don't really feel bad for him because on the level of suffering that is happening because of coronavirus, obviously that is inconsequential completely, but you know, you know, I've been reading like a lot of articles as I think we all have. I mean, right. We all want to be like, what's going on with coronavirus and there's new an analyses and predictions for how we're going to get out of it and how the world is going to change and what the future is going to look like and all these things. And I mean, uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of very interesting stuff out there, but I was, what I was thinking about is like, yo, a lot of these articles have so much fucking data. 
so quickly and there's like graphs and shit and like charts i'm like whoa and so i just was thinking like that means there's like a room full of analysts and mathematicians that are like well what if we did this over this period of time and then this would happen in this and let's calculate it and let's make a graph and okay send that out to the articles send that out to all the people who write articles do the calculations right now make a graph let's go and that's wild to me i get it that that's a whole field of a whole profession that you guys you know you just do the high. Who's in charge of that? Who is like, like what what graph should we make today, sir? What should we calculate t- today, sir or ma'am? It could be either, ma'am, sir, ma'am, sir, like the Filipinos, bro. Um, I'm like, okay, so what we're going to estimate is, what if people social distance? What will the curve look like over the next six and a half weeks? I'm like, okay, okay, next graph. What if people social distance alternatively on one week, off every week, and then let's do that for eight weeks? And what if people don't social distance at all? And then what is gonna, that going to look like the curve for a year? Like, I just feel like all the numbers are just so like, bah, 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 random, 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 random. Let's figure out this. What if? <laughs> oh my God, dude. What if coronavirus never existed and then we social distanced? How many people would have coronavirus? what if people social distance or don't social distance what if half of the people social distance and 33.33% of the people are required to wear masks and 5% of the students uh, just go to class in zoom and then we do that for 3 months what would that look like and then let's compare that to the analysis of where we think the Dow Jones would go and the stock market crash and let's also factor in what if China sells 7.6% of the US treasury bonds and then bam graph and it's in a fucking Newsweek article I'm like whoa this is crazy crazy well they factored all this in and this is what it would look like insane (laughs) man hey statisticians graph makers whatever those professions i salute you you know i think it's amazing the work you're doing and the super duper quick turnaround on that in these times of coronavirus you know i was driving the other day down my street and i saw five dudes five friends because we all let's let's be real we all have people in our lives who we still see hanging out with fucking friends going to a little picnic going to the park whatever and we fucking hate them we resent them We're like ooh, these selfish little fucking assholes making coronavirus is going to be around longer and they're not respecting social distancing and oh they're so you know and i get that judge you know i understand entirely because it is selfish because the whole thing about social distancing is it's so you don't become a carrier and unknowingly pass it on to somebody who is vulnerable and could die because you wanted to hang out with your one homie or your two homies but these guys had it figured out these guys there was one they were they were making like a square so two of them were on one side of the street and they were pretty far they were more than six feet apart and the other two were on the other side of the street. And they were pretty far apart too. And so they were just having a conversation like across the street. Like, oh yeah? Ha ha ha. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. No, I hear you. Oh yeah, buddy. No. Uh-huh. Ba-ba. And that's how they were talking. And people were, cars were just driving through. I was a car that drove through their conversation. You know? And there was a bunch of people just passing by looking at them. And I think that's great. Why not? Why not do that? You know? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Just that's me texting. I don't know why I hold it like I'm like looking at my nails. Hey, buddy. 
You want to meet at the park and we'll never go within 10 feet of each other and we'll just have a conversation like half kind of shouting like like Jeremy does in his podcasts. Sure. You know what I mean? I feel like that's if you're not coming into close contact with people. I feel that's a cool way to do it, man. Socializing in the era of social distance, baby. And I mean, you're still kind of in person. I feel like the psychological benefits would be similar. You know what I'm saying? I've been going for like hella runs though, like almost every day. I'll either, I have exercise every day for like probably the past month. And so I either will run or I'll do weights. And I saw a lady walking around the park and she just had one weight in one hand. And so I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought that. And I was like, what? why is she? Maybe the day before she had walked around the park with her just it in her right hand. And she's like, oh, well, I got to even it out. And it was like a two pound weight. <laughs> just walking around. just like, oh man, it's so funny. People are so funny. I forgot if she was Indian or Asian too. And don't hit me with that bullshit, Indians are Asian. No. Come on. Come on. Everyone knows. People are saying, oh, South Asian. And people are bunching Indians more into, like, oh, I'm Asian. Oh, wait, what kind of A? Oh, I'm Indian. Mm. Oh, come on, bro. Come on. Are you really, though? Are you really Asian, though? Bro, you might as well say, oh, if we're going to go by that logic, because India is in Asia, what are we going to say? Are, are Afghans Asian now, too? Because Afghanistan is right in the center of Asia, you know what I mean. What you're gonna are you you're gonna favor geographical accuracy over common usage? <laughs> what an asshole! What do we call people from Afghanistan? Do we call them Afghans? Do we call them Middle Easterners? Or do we call them Asians? Mm, mm. What do we call people from India? Indians. Everybody knows that Asians are people from East Asia and Southeast Asia, and that's it. Oh, but what about the people in the ports of Russia that are technically in Asia? You know what we call them? Russians. Russians. And I swear, bro, if somebody comes up and like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, he's Asian. It's like, oh, really? Where where in Asia is he from? Oh, the, that part of Russia that's in Asia. Ha ha! That's me slapping them. And the, I wouldn't do that because we're social distancing. I can't. I'm not going to risk getting sick just to show this asshole what's up. Um, but you know what we call Russians, Russians, Indians, Indians, and Asians, Asians, baby. And that's it. And if you don't like it, start a change.org petition so we can all ignore it and laugh at you. <laughs> I'll make a counter change.org position. They'll be like, the Indians are Asian. And I'll make a change.org saying, no, they're not. And I'll, I'll be, I'll do it very specifically too. I'll be like, let me list all the countries that you can be from. If you'd like to be called Asian, Myanmar, Bangladesh. Oh, wait, no. Oh, I'm fucking up. Bangladesh, not either. If you're from Bangladesh, you're Indian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know the countries. You know the ones I would name. East Asia, Southeast Asia. And you know what else this is really highlighted to this, this whole quarantine is the essential workers, right? I did see a meme, though, that was like, they're just calling us essential workers because to call us sacrificial would be too honest. <laughs> and I was like, yo, it is fucked. I mean, to still, I mean, for grocery workers and delivery drivers and a lot of these people who, you know, are making the amount of money they're making for the amount of risk 
that they're now taking on is kind of wild. Like I saw another one of a 27-year-old girl who continued to work at the grocery store because she wanted to help people and make a difference. And she passed away from coronavirus. And her mom shared that her final check was like $20.64 or something really low like that. And that was heartbreaking to me, you know, just that people, just that that's happening. I mean, not that there's any price to pay, you know, not that there's any amount of money that you're like, oh, okay, this is worth it. I'm going to go risk my life because I'm getting paid enough. But to have that be her final check and that be her wage and that was the cost of her continuing to work is just like an additional slap in the face. And I think it's it's just so like it hurts my heart for sure to hear stuff like that. And a lot of these essential, you know, essential jobs are jobs that are in danger of automation, right? In the next 20, 30 years, that's going to be wild, huh? Imagine that. That's one of the great things is people say, oh, you know, they're terrified of all the jobs that'll be gone from automation. But at least all these people who are at risk right now would be able to be safer because they could be quarantining like the rest of us. You know, I was just thinking, too, about like the fear. You know, I've talked about this before, but I, of course, I'm always thinking about it. And I feel like my thoughts will constantly evolve. I mean, until it's upon us. And during those times, I'm sure I'll probably... And by this upon us, I mean automation uh, when it is when it has replaced all the workers that are threatened to be replaced at the moment. Um, but I mean, what does that mean? That means that if you lose your job to automation, it means there's no longer any value to society. Your skill set no longer has value in society. And so to me. The solution is so simple, learn new skills. But people are so, so many people are so against it. So many people just don't want to change for any reason. You know, it's like how the coal jobs were going away in the States and people wanted to have subsidies or whatever the hell laws put in place to preserve or create coal jobs. And it's like, bro, that's not where the world is going. That's bad for the planet find another way to feed your family. I don't know if that, I, I, that, that sounds harsh to some people, but to me, it's not. Like to me, if there were, if I was, you know, let's say I'm in a place where I'm making a living as an actor, as a writer, and then one day they're like, oh, we don't need actors and writers anymore. Uh, You know, do some other shit. Then I would just learn some other stuff. I'm like, okay, there's no market for my skills anymore. I better evolve with the times. But I mean, that'll never happen because storytelling is a fundamental part of humanity. And we've been telling stories for eons and we'll need it forever. But that's not my point. My point. <laughs> it's just crazy to me that some people want to force jobs to exist that are not needed because they want to feel relevant. You want your skills to be able to still keep you alive. You want to keep the work up despite it being ecologically damaging or fundamentally unnecessary instead of just learning some new actually needed skills. So selfish. That's so selfish. And like a lot of these people too call themselves Christians, you know, that's another thing. I feel like people, I think it's so true that people are more concerned with feeling right and righteous than they are with actually trying to live as Jesus lived. 
And I feel like if people actually tried to live the way Jesus lived, the world would be so much better and nicer. We wouldn't have poor people because everybody would be helping them out. But, you know, I feel like Jesus, if you look at his example, you know, if he was back in those times and the market was like, you know, Jesus, actually, we have enough messiahs. We don't need another messiah right now. I'm like, oh, well, good. I'm a carpenter. I'll just go <laughs> I'll just go build some houses. You know, he wouldn't be in the streets like keep Messiah jobs alive. Keep Messiah jobs alive. You know, that's not the kind of, he'd be protesting some other stuff, man. He wanted the, he cared about more important things. Give us back the Holy Land. He didn't care about, you know, bring back these jobs that are unneeded. You know, he wasn't like Messiah-ing is all I know how to do. Will Messiah for food. <laughs> he'd be like, hey man, I'm going to go build some houses and tables and chairs. I'll see y'all later. All the other people are still trying to Messiah. He's like, look, you guys are part of a dying market. Good luck. <laughs> Catch me at Lowe's. <laughs> you know what the issue really is? And which is why I thought it was so cool that Andrew Yang was bringing up universal basic income, which of course Alaska has had for a while. Many countries have implemented policies like this. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about it. People are just so afraid of losing their jobs because we are in a society where we have been acculturated. Is that a word? Acculturated? Cultured? Brainwashed? <laughs> but we have been made to think that you are only valuable if you are adding financial value to the economy, to society, right? Especially in America with the hyper-capitalism we were raised in and that has been going on for generations and generations, people are less likely to think, oh, you're a human. You have value, you have worth just because you're a human. You deserve basic health care. You deserve to be able to eat, to have shelter, etc., etc., etc. You know what I personally think? Like just me, Jeremy, opinionated, what I think would be ideal is the universal basic income because it's like $1,000 a month, right? or whatever, adjusted for inflation, whatever people need to live, right? So we can say to every single citizen, hey, you're guaranteed health care, maybe not the best health care, maybe not the best waiting times, but if you are sick, you will be able to be treated because who? what's the point of all this modern technology for health and welfare if we are not taking care of everybody? If all it's just not good for the wellness of the world, you know, when it's just certain groups that get to benefit from things that should be for everybody and say, okay, you will have shelter, maybe not the best shelter, maybe not in the best area, and you will have food and maybe not the best food. You, you get what I'm saying, right? It's just, just enough to exist as a human being. And maybe there will be some people who get lazy and just want to live off that and benefit off that. And they don't want to learn the new skills that would make them productive in the new economic market. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people, arguably most people, would not want to live that life. Bro, look at how insane everybody is going being quarantined for a month. You know, you think the vast swaths of the population are just going to want to chill and just do nothing and just play video games and, you know, eat Funyuns and Cheetos and like, oh, it's all good. I got my thousand dollars a month coming. I watched a video actually explaining Andrew Yang's book and they were saying that when people, what studies have shown when people actually do get the UBI, the only people really who work less are mothers and teenagers. And it's because 
they then use that time to do more valuable things for their families, for their communities. The teenagers will study, whatever. And so, you know, I don't know. People are just, I think the, the reason why people are so terrified of other, like of people getting something for nothing is because they're afraid it's going to get taken from them. They're like, well, I, I'm working hard and you're just going to take my money and give it to people to do nothing. And I understand that, you know, that's why I think we got to give everybody something for nothing. <laughs> no, but, but, but what I was going to say too is, you know, may, let's say there are some people who just decide to just only live off the UBI and they're doing nothing all day. That's not going to be the majority of people, people like me, people like, if you're listening to this podcast, probably you, we're going to have more free time to do the things we actually care about, the things that are valuable to us. And we're going to be so driven to do those things. Like, do you know how many, dude, if I didn't have to worry about money, do you know how many screenplays I would write? How many podcasts I would make? How many YouTube videos I would make? And a lot of other people are going to see the new job markets and the new things there and just be so excited about the potentialities. Is that a word? Potentials of what they might be able to do in that field. They're going to go learn new skills. They're going to keep themselves relevant. I just really don't think that it would ever like, I feel like, okay, whenever we're talking about big changes, people's minds tend to go to what's the worst that could happen. What are the awful things? Blah, 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 blah. And that pretty much never happens. I mean, it happens sometimes in history, but I don't think it would be with UBI. And I mean, the situation, especially in America that we have right now is already so much worse than that. The amount of inequality that has been highlighted in people's minds because of this crisis. It's fucking insane, bro. It's fucking insane, bro. You know what I was thinking about too? Is like, AI is going to replace truck driving, right? And Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, et cetera, et cetera. Just ride shares, taxis, whatever, at some point. The technology's there. They're just refining it more and more. I mean, dude, I've seen... I mean, I gave an Uber ride to a dude who works at Uber in making hardware for the driverless vehicles. And we had a chat about it and where the systems are at. Like, they work. But just for a place like as complicated as San Francisco with the road rules and the traffic and pedestrians, it's not quite safe to throw in an environment like that right now. But it will at some point. It, they're going to figure it out at some point because it's already can do, you know, there's already uh, driverless 18 wheelers doing test drives, test runs. And especially in places where there's less traffic and more simple roads. I mean, they can pretty much make deliveries already. I'm not sure if any have happened, but, you know, it's happening. But what I was thinking about is, uh, is like road rage. <laughs> like, what is a road rage going to look like? with driverless vehicles you know like some guys just in his car just like oh this motherfucker's going so slow mm, this doing the speed limit oh i'm about to cut this motherfucker off i'm about to they pull over right they're so they're ready to like fucking get their hand on the window and just flip the person off and they pull up there and it's just and there's no drivers like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they're just like what oh, oh. <laughs> What do you mean there's no driver for me to unleash my righteous anger on? Bro, people, a lot of people are addicted to road rage. I used to be like this, right? Because you just want to feel right, dude. You just, dude, you don't realize this. You don't realize this. You don't do this on purpose, but this is what's happening. You're addicted to feeling offended and upset and like, 
if I don't have everything exactly my way, I'm going to throw a tantrum. You know, and that's what it is. You're like, oh, this person is going too slow in front of me. Oh, this person went in here and said this. Oh, I'm, now I'm going to lose five seconds off my drive time. Oh, I'm pissed. Oh, I'm so mad. What it is, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a reflection of what I mentioned earlier is where we, we strive for control in an existence where we actually have no control. And I mean, I think that's, that's what it is in essence. And so what are you going to do when there's, uh, there's nowhere to get your fix? There's nowhere to get your fix for your righteous anger. Just that vindictive road rage of like, I know how to drive the best and I make the best decisions and take the best paths. And this fucking idiot is getting in my way. What are you going to do when the idiot is a uh, robot? <laughs> when it's a driverless vehicle. You start like a petition. You're like, I'm so mad. This You get the license plate. You fucking complain to the company. Your fucking vehicle cut me off. I fucking, they're going too slow. Oh man, that's going to be so funny, bro. Ah, oh, dude, there's going to be so many funny scenarios that happen with that. Just people like, oh, well, I guess I have nobody to be angry at. Or maybe people will go crazier because they're like, yo, there's no actual drivers in these cars, just sensors and technology. And they just start weaving and bobbing all throughout the road. I'm a real driver. I'm a human driver. I let me do all this crazy stuff. I mean, that's possible, too. Uh, the world is ever changing, but that's all that life is man life is just change baby and artists just try to reflect back how our humanity is changing in response to technologies and advances and cultural and social events you know that's all the best art is man it's just encapsulating a time bro and just showing oh my god that is how things were that is how we were or sometimes showing like how things could possibly be and then it's inspirational and like wow i love that Wow, humans can be like that and we can overcome our negativity and our bullshit and be like that. I hope I get that fucking $1,200 stimulus check, dog. I don't know if I will. Because I haven't been in the country to even pay tax. Bro. I haven't been working here in the States. You know, and so I filed the ones for this year. Uh, But I, there was no place to put my banking info. I don't know, dude. I hope I get a check. I hope I qualify. I'd be sad if I didn't, man. It's crazy how like these other countries will get like $2,000 until this is all done. 2000 a month. Easy. Sign. There you go. We're going to take care of you. And the U.S. is like, mm, we're going to give them one thing of 1200 for now. And we're going to give these corporations and these chains millions and billions of dollars. Because <laughs> that's really the economy that we got to take care of. It's wild, man. It's wild how much the rich do run America and how much... It is an oligarchy with pretty much unlimited financial influence in politics. And we just fucking yell and shout and try to change it. And it's not changing. Um, and there's other people who are who don't realize how fucked over they are by the system. But they're poor like us. And they, okay, I wouldn't say I'm poor. That's like not the not the thing to say but i don't have the ideal financial situation especially considering debt and other things but i mean dude america's wild bro america's crazy uh i got un rejected by unemployment also because i wasn't i didn't earn enough money during the window that they looked at i when i also wasn't in the country and there's nobody i can talk to to say hey i wasn't in the country that's why i, <laughs> I didn't make money at the time there's no addendum where I can like access the file online and appeal it 
There was nowhere I could put that message anywhere during the application. They just ask, okay, what's the numbers? What's the dates? Blah, blah, blah. What's your information? Put it through. Uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild, man. You, you would think, cause I just think about other people who might be in my shoes. Like I'm, I can survive without the unemployment because I have my family to lean on. That's not the case for a lot of people. And so if for whatever reason they happen to fall outside of the criteria for unemployment and then they get rejected and then they can't appeal the decision or give any kind of supplementary secondary information, they are fucked. And it even says there too, like in the, when, when I got the letter, that was all like all the zeros. It's like, here's your award. Zero, 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 zero. On the back, it was like, also you can't do a second application because the first one was rejected. And it's like, whoa, well, fuck me then. <laughs> fuck me, right? <laughs> hmm. And healthcare has been taking too long. I've been like in the process of trying to get healthcare for weeks. And then I didn't hear from my caseworker for also weeks. And I got an email from her today and she's going to follow up at some point this week to, to look out for it. And I was like, okay, cool. But, and I don't even know if I could get a checkup right now, but I've been, you know, there's some things going on with me that I want to have checked out as soon as it's safe enough. But I haven't been able to, man. I just kind of, I don't know, man. It is crazy, man. It is crazy. It's not the worst. I'm not in the worst situation, but I'm also not in the best situation. I just, I feel like I want to, I, I want to make YouTube videos about the ridiculousness of unemployment, about the difficulty to get healthcare in the country, about the $1,200, about, I don't know, man. All the ways that in that the country is broken. It's so funny too, because like Instagram, like on Instagram, I'll be getting ads that are like, here's like a money move to make if you make over $5,000 a month. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry, what? I was like, yo, the Instagram algorithm is fucked up. <laughs> you think I make more than 5000 What am I doing to make you think that algorithm? You know, why are you showing me this advertisement? I want to see the articles. Show me uh, what to do if you make $2 a day. <laughs> What uh, what money move should I make if I make two dollars a day? That's what I uh, that's what I need. <laughs> the May GQ cover story is on Kanye, and I gotta say I thoroughly enjoyed reading what Homeboy is up to. Yo, he's trying to so he first he tried to innovate music, then he tried to innovate streetwear and shoes and clothing, and now he's trying to innovate with food and shelter, baby. How cool is that? He's like working on these, you know, he's working with architects and designers, these like dome like, you know, Tatooine inspired houses, you know, with the goal of, you know, using it for himself, but also decluttering how positive the benefits are on your mental health and productivity when you do have a clean, sterile space. You know, he wants to have that like affordable housing for low income people as well. And they were doing prototypes where they had like gardens and plants and things growing on top of and within the buildings, almost like it's trying to like approximate approach our own little garden of Eden over the, the Yeezy property in Jackson hole, Wyoming. He was talking to sway and this is not the GQ interview, but I mean, it's like all the kind of same vibe, the same themes right now, but he was talking to sway. Oh, not sway. He was talking to Zane Lowe. Just that he's trying, he was talking about the process of like, oh, why does, you know, the crops for the clothes have to be grown here and then it goes somewhere else to be woven and then dyed and et cetera, et cetera. And what if we could have it all kind of sustainably happening 
in the same place the whole cycle. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool, man. He just has, he just has such cool ideas. And I just, I think the reason I'm so attracted to, you know, the idea of Kanye and Kanye's ideas is just because, you know, he's very flawed. He's very imperfect as we all are. And I don't agree with everything he says, but I just love forward thinking. I just think it's so cool to imagine. I mean, that's what I'm all about, man. Imagining the ways that tomorrow can be better, not just for myself, but for others. Like what is the value that we can give to those who have less, those who need support, those who need help. And I fuck up that kind of stuff all the time, not intentionally. I don't think any of us do it intentionally. But just because of that, does that mean you don't idealize it anymore? You don't work toward it? You don't try to take steps at least? I don't think so. You know, when Kanye talked about how Jesus really altered his ego and how he was always working for his ego and that's the devil and all these things. And, you know, I might not literally believe in all of that terminology, but I mean, my understanding of Jesus has been changing lately as well, because I, to me, just my understanding of it was so literal. It's like, oh, and this is the actual son of God and the salvation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now I just think of it as like, look, the idea of Jesus in the Bible, that's thousands of years of human edits and thought and experience kind of refined into these moral stories that are trying to show us that what do people think the ideal person is? The idea of Jesus Christ presented in the Bible is the human ideal of goodness. You know, what what is it to live a good life to sacrifice for the good of others. And that's why him being nailed up on the cross, you know, because he was so pure, he was the chosen son of God. And then he sacrificed it all for the good of people. And so what, what about that story is transformational to me is just the idea of not doing things for yourself all the time. And just thinking, well, who are the people I love and what are the sacrifices I am able to make for their good, to support their joy, their contentment, and their happiness. And what reciprocal joy can come my way from knowing that that's the role I've been playing. And that's what's heavy on my mind lately. Because I feel like, you know, I've seen people talk about how the easiest way to get out of kind of feeling crap about yourself, not being able to make yourself happy, is to try to do that for others. You know, try to make somebody else happy. See how quickly you become happy. But also that can get toxic when your only goal is to make somebody happy and you constantly fail to make them happy. You feel like shit because you can't make them happy. That's something to be avoided. But to be to be giving, to be kind, to be loving, I think is never a bad idea. Will never not have good effects on you. Like another thing Kanye talked about that I, I found fascinating was just how you know, once you start becoming influential, the temptation is there to just try to do things to remain influential, to have even greater influence. And how that's this kind of negative, never ending loop. And now he's gotten to the place where he doesn't care about that, where he's just doing him. So if people are photographing him or video, or whatever, he's no longer coming at it from like, oh, what can I do to exert more influence, be more influential? He's just being himself and doing the things he believes in and has passion for. And he believes to be in service of Christ and those messages. And I think that that's, uh, you know, that's the way, that's the way we should all be. 
you know, and it's, it's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to be able to get in that mental space where you are just doing stuff that you believe in and you are able to remove yourself from the opinions of others and the fear of the opinions of others. Cause of course we're such social creatures. And of course, if you're doing things to benefit others, it should matter what they think, but it's just, what's, what's the balance, you know? There was such a funny quote he had in there too, where he was talking about uh, the dome houses. And he said, yo, like he was talking about set, using set designers as opposed to contractors. And he was like, set designers could potentially be the Zara of homes. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? Set designers can be the Zara of homes. But I like it, bro. Maybe it's like just bringing like how it's like high, you know, the high fashion ideas, but then making them of like a decent quality and then accessible to the masses. Maybe that's what he kind of meant. And he also just talked about having this idea of blind faith, you know, having blind faith in yourself and how he feels that's his influence on those that spend time with him is that they begin to start thinking of their own ideas outside of the box and they begin to have a faith in themselves that they might not have had before. And so when you see that faith in him, like that he has in himself, it looks so, it can look so narcissistic. He's so confident, but, and, and maybe it's been expressed in harmful toxic ways especially i feel like when you're being doubted you want to you want to be seen as you know a certain way and people are not seeing you in that way you can get frustrated you can lash out and it can be counterproductive i think you do need to have that blind faith that you are going to be able to do the thing you want to do and then maybe just be quiet about it maybe just do it with that faith and then just don't talk about it <laughs> and that way you know you'll be more accepted by people because you're not just like blah 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 up in arms talking shit going crazy and you know as controversial right as kanye and this religious tip is people are like oh is he just trying to make money off sunday service off church you know monetizing god and spirituality and what does it become when money and profit and capitalism become involved you just flex right there and just flex for the camera what a fucking asshole and i mean i don't want to really talk about that stuff because I don't really have an opinion on it. I, but I don't, I don't defend taking financial advantage of people in the name of religion and spirituality. It personally does not sit well with me. If I had one of those Holy Spirit crew necks, would I rock it? Yes, it's so fly. But I still would feel weird about buying it. Um, he talked about how, he, you know, the church experiences and singing for him it began as a place of no judgment and how he felt like a lot of people grew up with negative church experiences, you know, where there were places of judgment and superiority complexes. And I relate to that a lot as, as do I think a lot of people in my life. Cause that is there, you know, that it, it's so easy for people. Like there's so much good about religion and, and spirituality but one of the darker sides is people can start to be like, oh, I'm more religious than this person. Oh, I'm more righteous than this person. And they start looking down their nose and thumbing their nose and just really just out to get people, trying to catch people slipping, you know, which I don't think is, is empathetic at all. I don't think is loving at all because, you know, I think real love, it's, it's that unconditional love, right? No matter what this person is doing, I'm going to try to be there for them and help them grow and give them support. I feel like that's the thing to strive for. I also really like, cause I've also been reading, um, the age of reason by John Paul Sartre. And you know, just how it's, uh, you know, the description on the back is it's a searing exploration of what it means to truly be free. And I'm maybe like 70 pages in I've been, dude, I haven't been reading like 
oh, I'm going to read this book and finish it. I'm going to read this book and finish it. I'm like, okay, let me read a few chapters of this, a few chapters of this. Okay, I'll read some pages here. I just, my attention span is all over the place. I've been reading a lot, but I've read a, a chunks of a bunch of different books. But anyway, um, I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot too. Like, what does it mean to be free? And there's a super dope quote early on in Age of Reason. And I forget the characters and who says, I think she said the girls, she said to Matthew. But anyway, he was just kind of talking about like, everybody wants to be free. Like it's human desire and nature to want to be free. And she's like, no, it's not. That's your vice. I don't want to be free the, the way you do. And it just made me think, because I'm someone, I've always wanted to be free, to feel free, you know? And I don't even really know what that means. I just want to feel free. But not everybody wants that, you know? People want different things for their lives. And I, just seeing that perspective was impactful on me. But something Kanye said in the in the interview was, I don't intend to be free. I simply am. And I was like, wow, what a what a thought to chew on. You know? Not trying to because in the effort of like, how do I become free? You just have to you just have to exist that way, you know? It's like, oh, how do I be happy? It's when you're able to relinquish all that trying, all that control. And you're able to just find acceptance for your present moment. And then poof, there's infinite grace, infinite love under the sun. Like on the new Gambino album, there is love in every moment under the sun. Okay, I forgot the melody completely, but that's the lyric. There is love in every moment under the sun. And I read the Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. I think that's true too, right? The grace of God, whatever that means to you, the glory of existence, of goodness, is infinite and ever-present and all you need to do is get out of the way and let it shine into your heart. You're blocking it, you know? You're blocking No matter how awful your circumstances are, you are the one blocking it. And I, I block it myself. I'm not like trying to call you out, listener. I'm not trying to say like, yo, you, you're blocking it. You're a piece of shit. You gotta <laughs> straighten up, straight shape up. You know, I do it too and it's just about training ourselves to catch ourselves more and more when we're blocking and just to get out of the way. Just to open up and be free, baby. And it also talks about like when Kanye, he brings the interviewer to Kid Cudi's birthday party. And he talks about like Shia LaBeouf, Timothy Chalamet and Travis Scott being there and like little snippets of conversations he overhears. And I have nothing to say about that except that sounds like a dope room, bro. <laughs> it's such like a funny group of like famous people. It's like, yo, 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 just having a good time, bro. Another idea I found super, you know, inspiring from that piece was um, he talked about how like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy he made out of fear, power he made out of like I was bowing to expectations because you'd heard that with amazing with crack music a song just like that, and he was just afraid that people thought he was done and he had to you know make an album that would make people not feel that way anymore, but what he always wants to do is just make songs that we haven't heard before that are new that are fresh, you know, jackets, shoes, homes, you know, just creating things that are not so familiar, that are not just repetitions of the past. I watched a lecture that Virgil Abloh gave. I think it was the Harvard School of Design, graduate school. Was it Harvard? Was it Princeton? I fucking forgot what school it was, but he was just talking about the dangers of perfectionism and how to keep on going towards what we hold in our minds as perfect. What is that actually? It's an accumulation of things we've already seen before. So if you keep on shaping it to, till it gets to quote unquote perfect, it's going to look regurgitated. It's going to look like a copy versus if you just trust your intuition and your voice and your style a little bit more and trust your heart and mind to know when you're done with it. And apparently Kanye is already deep into the process of working on the follow-up for Jesus is King. 
And I'm excited to hear that, man. I just like, I don't even know. I mean, is I'm, I guess he's going to keep on rapping about God. But I'm just so curious into what it might sound like, like how it could be different than Jesus is King sonically and thematically. And I mean, where is he going to go with it? I don't even know. I'm curious though. I love Jesus is King, man. I like a lot of the production. I've been listening to it more lately. I threw it in like a playlist. Like I mostly have, what do I have in that, that playlist? I like exercise to it a lot. I have the new Gambino album, new weekend, new party. Jesus is King is on there. A Brent Fias song, some Janae Aiko. Anyway, it doesn't matter what the hell. Justin Bieber's on the playlist too. But I'm just so curious to hear what it's going to be, you know. And I mean, you, you see in the interview that Kanye is like always working. He's always drafting something. There's always renders being pulled up. Phone calls being made. He's always in the process. And I just thought, well, that's how I need to be. Not spending so much time in the fear of just getting into the process. But just allowing myself to spend hours and hours upon hours just creating, staying in that fucking soup, you know. Of course, your output will be tremendous if you're always doing that, always in that creative place. You're not afraid of like, oh, I got to get, I got to be motivated before I start or I got to have a great idea before I start. You're just constantly iterating. And I mean like this, like fucking, you know how long I was thinking about doing this podcast before I finally just made the time to just sit down and get the recording stuff up and just go record it too long man i was waiting way too fucking long yeah i mean i guess that's my goal going forward you know but you know what though i will say with all this stuff i'm talking about kanye west and then also some other good quarantine content i was seeing which was seth rogan how he's like getting high and watching movies and making pottery also how good is seth rogan's pots what the fuck yo i looked at seth rogan's pots i thought they were gonna be just janky little like like a fourth grader made him he's making some good ass ceramics Yo, Seth Rogen got ceramic skills. And he's making those high? Woo! That boy, talented. But anyway, um, I was thinking that like, oh, who, like what kind of life would I want to live? I would much rather be Seth Rogen than I would be Kanye West. <laughs> like that level of fame and responsibility and creativity and influence and, you know, your music and your fashion, all these kinds of things. That just seems like too much for me. It just seems like overwhelming. I'd rather just kind of chill out and be a funny, well-liked guy who calls out BS sometimes and then just makes like funny movies and TV shows. Sign me up. I'm trying to be on that Seth Rogen life, baby. Also, I never had finished the second season of Atlanta, but this morning I watched, like, I forgot what the episode is called. South of the border, south of, north of the border. And it's basically just where they go to like some school and they do a paperboy show. And then, oh man, if I just say what happens, it's gonna, and you haven't seen the episode, it just sounds like, oh, okay, that happens, like, well, I don't really get it. But just watching the juxtaposition of all of that stuff was just so good. It just hit so hard. I was like, dude, this is so real. Dude, these ideas are so crazy. And there's a shot that Hiro Murai got of just the three of them, and the Confederate flag is behind them, and the pledges are all like kneeling there with their fucking dicks out. Bro, one of the most genius images I've ever seen in a tv in cinema in cinema in tv or movies man the ideas those boys have are so inspirational i aspire to do that kind of stuff the coronavirus thing was kind of taken off too when they did the, the kanye interview and he was just talking about like you know he was thinking about that idea if we were not to be be here anymore and he's like i just thank god for life you know for all these experiences even if it were to end and there was this quote in there that life is a song that's already been written that takes your entire life to hear. And I read that and I almost wanted to cry. And it's like, 
I mean, there's so many ways you can think about that in one way of like, oh, it's like your destiny and your fate and it's already planned out for you. And you just got to you know, chew yourself need to go experience it throughout your life. But I feel like you can also think of it like, you know, and again, referencing another Bible verse, I don't know the actual verse, but just that everybody, every experience you are having emotionally, somebody has experienced that in the past. We all go through the same things, cycles in just different you know, chronological contexts, different social structures and settings with different technologies, but the essence, the human nature of it, the humanity is the same, you know, but just because someone else went through it, you still got to go through it. You still got to live to go through it. And it's brand new and it's fresh and it's novel as you're experiencing it, but at the same time, so ancient, so connected. You know, you're never alone. You're never, ever alone in what you're going through. Whether the person who's going through what you're going through is somewhere else in the world right now or lived 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 2,000 years ago. And probably all are true. You know, there's probably... I mean, I would wager to say that most of us now have gone through a lot of similar, the same things in essence. And I think that's just so beautiful. You know, we really can relate to each other. It's like this like quote, was it Terrence McKenna? Terrence Malick? Some filmmaker quote I saw that cinema is the art of relating a single person to the world. Whoo! And it is. And it is that. And this podcast is trying to relate me to you. <laughs> well, we are all the same, you know, in essence, man. We feel the same things. We feel the same things. We struggle with believing in ourselves. We struggle in believing in the world and, and meaning and, and purpose. And we do the best we can. We do the best we can. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll kind of go out on that note, you know, just. Well, go out on that note. Well, I'm not going to. I just mean for the podcast, <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of meditating on our collective vulnerability, you know, the finiteness of our existence, you know, from dust to dust. That's. That's how we all are, you know, and even me, you know, I mean, I'm 26 now, far from having lived a full life. You know, of course, there's so much more I'd love to do. I'd love to be able to get a chance to do. But if I were gone today or tomorrow or in a week or in a month, I'm too, I'm, I'm so grateful for life, all the good, all the bad, because you know what, even, even the privilege to experience the bad stuff, there, it's something not everyone gets. The miracle of life, the chances of you being born are so slim. Like, it's a miracle that you, you're even here. And, you know, we got, we had to experience some bad stuff. No, like, you got to experience, you know, you got to feel feelings. I remember an old acting teacher of mine said, I think the only bad emotion, really, you know, like, I think every, there's a beauty in everything except for hopelessness. And I think I agree with that to be so sad to be so angry, to be so joyful, to be so ebullient. So long as it's temporary and is passing, I think it's great. When it lingers, when it stays, when it becomes inescapable and leads to hopelessness, that is when it's terrifying. And I want to be there to help you out of it. I want someone to be there to help you out of it. I want you to be able to help yourself out of it. You know, I want to be able to help myself out of it in those moments. But, you know, but I, I must say, you know, I've got to experience a lot of dope things. I've got to meet a lot of dope, incredible people, 
you know, and if I died tomorrow, would the world be affected? Like, oh, Jeremy accomplished all these things and oh, we're going to miss him. It's like, no, but I mean, to me, that stuff doesn't really matter. Like, I think I've talked about this before, but it's just, I don't care what happens after I'm gone. I don't care about a legacy. You know, people are obsessed with this idea, like you're, the idea of you carrying on after you're gone. I don't give a fuck. You know, I just want to make the experience that I get to experience my time here the very best that it can be uh, and just enjoy as many of the experiences as possible. That's my process every day, man, is like experiences that I might not have enjoyed before. It's like, can I find a way to enjoy it today or enjoy it tomorrow? You know, like I really feel like it's just all about spending time appreciating your loved ones, appreciating all the small blessings that are gifted upon you in daily life. And I think when someone goes too early and someone is like, oh my God, there was still so much he was going to do. There was so much he was going to do. I mean, I feel like it really just comes down to having gotten the chance to spend more time with your loved ones, gotten more days to be loved and to give love. And if you strive to do that every day, if you're not wasting decades of your life, you know, pursuing other values and realizing they don't fulfill you. And then finally, you know, I'm so I'm empty and I'm unfulfilled. And then after all that, then you finally care about the things that you should have cared about all along. If you skip that whole lost journey bullshit, you cut straight to love and appreciation ASAP for as long as possible. You live every day like a full day and you don't let a single day pass without expressing appreciation for the people close to you. You know, if you have treated them every day as you would have if you knew your time on earth in this physical vessel was nearly over, was about to come to an end tonight, you're ready to go anytime when you know it's your time, you're able to accept it. I believe that, you know, I think we just got to love as hard as we can while we're here, you know, and do all that we can to combat our fear, our anxiety, our anger, our sadness, the all the negativity that always constantly is welling up inside of us to find a ways to let the infinite light of goodness shine into your heart every time, every moment of the day, more and more and more, you know, to have the confidence in yourself to be able to say, maybe I failed, maybe I fucked up, maybe I'm going to fail and fuck up again tomorrow, but I have value. You know, there is that spark of the divine in me, in all of us, and I refuse to let the judgments of my own shortcomings hijack my being, you know, because I get to keep on trying to be better and better, to give more and more brightness to the people I care about. And as long as I am doing that, no matter what misfortune or what, you know, cataclysm befalls us, it's all good, baby. It's all love. And there's no more of the, that feeling that we can become trapped by. Oh, I just need to get here. Or if only I had proven my skill and my value by achieving this, you know, that stuff is great. That stuff is important. It's worth striving for, but make no mistake. That's not the number one priority. That cannot be the number one priority, at least if you want fulfillment and you want peace, you know, you got to make that stuff secondary. And no matter what, you know, the situations, the pandemic or the chaotic state of the world put you in, in the coming months, the coming years, prioritize that goodness, that love and living each day as a full day, you can face the challenges, you know, and we will have a feeling of togetherness. You know, we're going to get through it together. We'll, we can be optimistic about the future. We can feel capable, you know, and I think that is how you live a life without regret. And uh, with that, I'll leave you for the weeks, you know, Hey, 
make the most make the most of this time and that means whatever it means to you that doesn't necessarily mean oh be productive i'll learn something maybe it's just getting through each day maybe that's how you make the most of this time is just surviving you know and i i support you in those endeavors i'm here for you you know if we're not that close don't message me i'm not like actually <laughs> not like actually here for you but i mean like the ideas in here fit emotionally i support you i send that out there i send that out there and uh yeah cheerio